You are Locked On Broncos, your daily podcast on the Denver Broncos, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And the Denver Broncos have taken Super Bowl 50. That's right. You are Locked On Broncos. It is time to drop some knowledge. I am Chad Jensen, the publisher of MileHighHuddle.com. With me is my co-host, Luke Polglaze, a semi-pro football coach, an NFL draft analyst, among many other things. Luke, my friend, what's good? I, I'm well. I hope you are as well. Ready to talk some Broncos. I am. I'm still trying to recover from all the food I ate over the weekend, but uh, I'm still feeling pretty good. And we are committed to bringing you a daily podcast focused entirely on the Denver Broncos, at least five days a week. Uh, Come rain, sleet, or snow, holidays, you name it. We're not here to just report the news. We're here to do a deep dive on your favorite team. So please be sure to share the episodes on Twitter, share them on Facebook, Reddit. Um, It helps us out a lot. Follow the show on Twitter, at Locked On Broncos. We really need each listener to take a quick second, find the at Locked On Broncos, and click the follow button. You guys have responded really well over the last couple weeks. We've been calling this out, so please keep it up. Do us a solid there. And of course, the home of Locked On Broncos is Audio Boom, but make sure you also subscribe on iTunes. If you're an Android user, you want to check out Stitcher and subscribe there. The Broncos have one more game left and then a whole offseason full of questions, and you're not going to want to miss a single episode. All right, Luke, I want to talk about uh, Paxton Lynch today. Because as it stands, um, you know, we talked a little bit about this yesterday, but the Broncos have yet to make an announcement on which quarterback will start in Week 17 versus the Oakland Raiders. Now, obviously, if you and I had our druthers, it would be Paxton Lynch. um, But the Broncos are 16 games into this season. And the reality is they still don't really know what they have in Paxton Lynch. Week 17, I think, could go a long way toward helping them out in that evaluation process. Right. Well, for the development of a young quarterback, there's no there's no substitute for live reps in game situations and for evaluating a quarterback, there's no thing like in-game evaluations. I mean, you can have a guy who looks perfect in practice and then struggles in games, and then you can have a guy who struggles in practice and you don't start that guy for a reason because if you struggle in practice, you know, Lord, Lord only knows what's going to happen during a game. So, yeah. um, yeah, this is really the time when you can evaluate the younger guys, which is why I advocated starting so many of them, um, and really get a good look at what they can bring, uh, in terms of potential for your team. Now, not to elevate Tim Tebow, but this was a guy, Tebow, who was a terrible practice player, um, to, to the point where it would literally shock and appall his coaches. But on game day, um, when the chips were down, he would find a way to make plays and do things that he, you know, the coaches didn't see him necessarily doing uh, in practice. So, yes, live game reps, live bullets are crucial to really getting a, a bead on exactly what a team has in a young player. And I've said it many times, you know, over the course of this season, whether it's been in spoken word on the podcast or in prose that Trevor Simeon has exceeded my expectations this year. I mean, he hasn't blown the doors down, but honestly, for a second-year, you know, former seventh-round QB, he did a lot of good things at times for the Broncos this year. Denver's problem, um, I think, started at the coaching level, not at the quarterback level. The reality is that the coaches made, I think, a great miscalculation in believing that, especially late in the season, that they could just abandon the run 
and rely on the limited experience in the right arm of a young Trevor Simeon, but he's nowhere capable enough yet to carry an offense that's in such a state of disrepair as the Broncos. You know, you look at when Peyton Manning came to Denver in 2012, he immediately took some no-name receivers and tight ends who had basically up to that point produced very little in the NFL, elevated their game. Um, You know, the Broncos could throw it 40-plus times per game with Peyton Manning and still win 10 or more in a season. But with Trevor Simeon, I've never understood, Luke, how Gary Kubiak could believe that Simeon was capable of following that same suit. Right. Well, if you go back and you look at his tape at at, uh, Northwestern, um, Simeon was in a two-quarterback system, and he was the one that they took off the field when they wanted to throw the ball. He was predominantly the run game quarterback, so you kind of translated that guy, and that's why, to me, he was a bit of a head-scratcher last year given the situation the Broncos were in. Bringing you know, the run game minder into the Manning offense um, just didn't seem like you know the the most smooth or the most natural of selections but he you know he translated fairly well this season but you know no no quarterback in my opinion should ever have to throw the ball that much in a game to win the game um so that comes down to coaching but you know at a certain point you also have to execute on a given number of those throws and uh you know we didn't see Simeon do that at times this year I would totally agree with you on that. And it really is. I mean, we could spend days and days just talking about the different coaching snafus and things that have taken place over the course of this season that we just, frankly, there's no explanation for and there's there's not much an excuse for either. But, you know, one thing, Luke, because the Broncos chose Simeon to start the season, they now have to go through another season like this one to figure out what they have in Paxton Lynch. Now, Lynch, you know, he's going to enter 2017 with more experience in Kubiak's offense and at least a couple of real, you know, NFL games under his belt. But he'll still have to go through that roller coaster, uh, the trial and error of learning to play week to week with live bullets flying. And I think John Elway's going to be tempted to put off another season like that, replete with growing pains, by going after a guy like Tony Romo who has expressed interest in joining the Broncos, or even a guy like Tyrod Taylor who might uh, be available this offseason. And I understand that temptation, Luke, because the Broncos don't want to waste another season with this championship-caliber defense still intact. But I think they'd be making a grave mistake in, in sacrificing you know, Lynch's long-term development for the sake of kind of a short-term Band-Aid. Well, realistically, as a prospect, I certainly didn't see Paxton Lynch as being, you know, a day one starter. I thought he was raw. I thought he needed time to translate and kind of take that time to play at the NFL level. Now, um, I, I spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. Denver made the decision to to kind of choose to ease him in, um, you know, foregoing the live, you know, the bullets flying reps um, and really kind of just getting him into the classroom, into the routine, into the grind of the NFL life um, before that they could, you know, before they could really take the training wheels off and throw him out there on game day. And so they were willing to sacrifice a year of this defense, a year of this Super Bowl defense um, for that. And, uh, I, I saw this opinion on Twitter. Um, I kind of have a take based on that, but it's it's not mine originally, so I, I forget who it was, but kind of built off there. So if you're listening to the podcast, I'm not stealing it, I promise. <laughs> um, you know, is it fair to say that we don't have the hmm, – let me, let me start over. Mm-hmm. We have two quarterbacks on this roster who we've seen play in the NFL this year. It, 
is I think at this point safe to say that Simeon is not the long term answer at quarterback. I would agree. I think he I think he's kind of shown that he can't overcome, you know, coaching um, obviously is so hard to overcome, but he can't overcome the offensive line, obviously. But really what it comes down to is when he's put in that situation where he has to throw the ball so much, he's still not converting. He's still not making reads down the field. I mean, how you know, how many open receivers did he miss during the course of Sunday's game? Mm. It's it's a problem. You can't be missing those open receivers, especially when you got, you know, the one classic play was Emmanuel Sanders just screaming over the middle on a dig route, waving his arms, trying to attack, attract Simeon's attention. Yeah. You know, you can't you can't miss throws like that. You can't you have to see those throws and you have to make those throws. And the fact that you're only completing 40 percent of the passes is an issue. Big Paxton time. Lynch. Right. Now, Paxton Lynch, he's not ready, I wouldn't say. Um, he hasn't shown me anything yet to say, okay, this guy's ready to start next year. So he obviously has some development. I think Paxton Lynch is going to be the long-term future at quarterback. I think he's going to be down the line. He's going to be the team or the guy that this team goes back to and they say, yes, we're rolling with Paxton. We're excited. But I don't know that that is day one of 2017. I think this team, what this team needs is a bridge quarterback. A quarterback who's going to come in and play, you know, for a year just to get Lynch once more into the into the grind of things. I mean, we said, you know, I said this coming in. Uh, I don't want to say we. Um, I don't know what you were saying, but <laughs> I, I didn't see Lynch as starting for one, maybe two years. I honestly thought he had to develop, and so right. This is not outside a timeline for that. This is still the one to two years. So I think the quarterback of the future is on this roster in Paxton Lynch. But I think the starting quarterback day one next year is not on this roster. And that's certainly something that I'm sure you and I are going to debate uh, as we get into the offseason. And my thing really is just simply boils down to, you know, if he is the future, my thing with young quarterbacks, especially first rounders, is teams are better off just playing them, especially when you have a team is built and, and balanced and stacked overall as the Broncos are. I think they're just better off going with Lynch, biting the bullet, ripping off the Band-Aid, whatever cliche you know you want to throw out there if the plan is eventually to go to him. And again, this is a great topic, fun to talk about. We're going to talk even more about this situation here on this episode. But before we do, I want to talk about SeatGeek because we're heading into the last game of the season. Things didn't go our way as far as Broncos football, but you still have one last chance to watch the Broncos play and maybe ruin the, the Oakland Raiders' opportunity to get a first-round bye and win the division. There's nothing like being in the stadium for the biggest games of the year uh, is the bottom line. And with SeatGeek, it's never been easier to get the guaranteed seats you want for great value. Luke and I both have the SeatGeek app on our phones, and it's by far the easiest way we've found to buy tickets. You know, I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, instantly I can find the seats for a game this weekend or down the line um, anytime. With SeatGeek, you always get the best deal on every ticket because they go out and price compare for you by searching multiple ticket sites. You know, prices can vary depending on where you shop, but SeatGeek is always going to find you the lowest available price. And SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck, which is why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value, which allows you to immediately see any underpriced seats, find the deal that's going to fit your budget. Plus, every ticket that you buy on SeatGeek, backed by their 100% guarantee, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. And best of all, the Locked On Broncos listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. Here's how you get that. First off, download the SeatGeek app. 
then go to the settings tab, click add a promo code, and then enter promo code LO Broncos. SeatGeek will then send you 20 American dollars after you've made your first purchase. So go download the SeatGeek app, enter the promo code LO Broncos today. Now, Luke, let's uh, let's get back to Paxton Lynch for a minute here because, you know, again, as, as we both have already talked about, for better or worse, at least for now, Lynch represents the future uh, at quarterback for the Broncos. And really, again, at this stage, the team still doesn't really know what they have in him. Now, starting in this week could maybe help a little bit more in, in terms of evaluating that. But I'm of the opinion that the Broncos are going to have to do more if they intend on uh, turning to and committing fully to Lynch in 2017, which is certainly on the table. Now, in week four, just to back it up a little bit, when Lynch relieved and injured Trevor Simeon at Tampa, we saw him uh, make quite a few good plays, both with his arm and his legs. Uh, we saw that natural athleticism, the big arm on full display. Um, and it was because Kubiak, you know, he wasn't structured into a game plan. It was kind of on the fly. Starter goes down. So Kubiak just rolled with what Lynch was comfortable with, um, playing out of the shotgun, etc. Um then you, you leap forward the next week, he gets the start against Atlanta. He looked like a different quarterback, and I, I heard and saw this on Twitter and from readers and, and listeners. Why does he look so different? Well, it's essentially because he was playing in a different offense. Kubiak made the mistake, I think, Luke, of trying to fit a square peg you know, into a round hole, and the Broncos lost their first game of the season. But putting it back on Lynch, Luke, in your mind, if you're the Broncos, okay, let's just assume for the sake of argument, that the Broncos intend on moving forward in 2017 under the objective of building around Paxton Lynch. What do they have to do? Mm-hmm. Well, here's what you got to do. If you're going to roll with Paxton Lynch, you got to decide right now Paxton Lynch is your guy. There's no there's no going back. There's no turning around that. Because if you want this guy to be the face of your franchise and you're going to build around him right now, then you got to start. And then that means he's starting day one. Now, if you want to keep bringing him along, that's fine. But if he's your guy, then you're locked in. Um, and that starts with, you know, I really think tailoring an offense to him uh, and not to to what Kubiak likes to do. I think that means more shotgun looks. I think that means getting his athleticism involved. Um, I mean, he's, you know, he's not athletic for a quarterback. No, he's he's athletic. Yep. Plain and simple. End of sentence. Um Get him, get him involved passing the ball. Um, see if you can design a quarter, a couple quarterback runs to keep the defense honest. Um, that's not common in the NFL, but it's gonna settle him down because he used it in college. It's familiar for him. Um, so you know they really have to, in my mind, go back to the shotgun looks, go back to kind of more of a spread out offensive attack, um, and you know. You can you can have packages where you bring in Janovich with a fullback and run twenty one personnel, but if you really want to keep Paxton Lynch comfortable, I think you got to spread the ball and go eleven personnel with three wide receivers a lot of the time. Right. It's like imagine taking a guy like Cam Newton and trying to force feed him into a West Coast offense playing under center, or the same could be said for you know Marcus Mariota. I think one of the first orders of business for the Broncos in the new league year is going to be to go out and find a new offensive coordinator. And, you know, Rick Dennison, the current OC, he's probably not going to be fired, but maybe he'll be demoted or quote-unquote reassigned, you know, because he's an old Kubiak guy. He's got a lot of roots in Denver, even with Elway. And Kubiak's first pension, as we've talked about, is to be loyal. 
But still, despite that, whatever happens with, with Dennison, neither here nor there, the Broncos need to take some of the pressure off Kubiak's plate, find a good offensive coordinator that's going to make a big difference. And there's really no way, I, I can't fathom any way that John Elway is happy with how terrible the offense has been for two years running now. And Luke, one thing we know about the Duke of Denver is that he does not tolerate losing. I think some changes are certainly going to be made, and I can't help but assume that it'll start with a new offensive coordinator. Well, I think, you know, given the struggles offensively top to bottom, I think that has to be part of it. I mean, the Broncos haven't crossed midfield on a scoring drive since I believe Jacksonville. Um, you know, the, the scoring drive that they had against Kansas City was on that long interception return from Justin Simmons. I mean, he returned it, I think, 31 yards. Right. They drove it six. Yep. I mean, this is not an offense that's being effective, that's converting. Um, it's not using its personnel intelligently. This is an offense that is really struggling to just get back to basics. Uh, and I do think that they need to bring in a guy who's going to bring his own spark to this offense. I think the time of Kubiak being involved with this offense should be over because he has bigger fish to fry on this team. Yep. And they need to bring in an offensive coordinator who can put his own spin on this, who can run his own offense. Um, I'm thinking specifically of uh, you know, a guy, or you know, I believe it was San Diego who did this, who brought in Ken Wisenhunt to run the offense correct this yep, was a couple yep. of years ago absolutely something like that bringing in a former offense or a former head coach who's an offensive coordinator who's going to put in his, his own spin on it who has experience um and who can you know take ownership of that yeah you could look at a guy like mike mccoy who's probably not long for the nfl head coaching world um you can look to even younger guys kyle shanahan might be an option there'll be you know, I've even heard uh, Troy Calhoun bandied about as a possible option. The Broncos got to make a change because, you know, inexplicably, they went into the bye at 7-3. and three. Great. Everything, the, the board was set. They've won one game since then, and it was with Paxton Lynch um, at quarterback on the road at Jacksonville. But whomever the Broncos land, um, land on as a new offensive coordinator, it has to be a guy who can get the most out of Paxton Lynch. And even if, if we take your, your approach, Luke, and say he still needs one more year, it still needs to be a guy who can get the most out of Paxton Lynch. And I think Gary Kubiak you know, and Greg Knapp, they're great as quarterback developers. You know, I think that they, they, they can still have a close hand in shaping Lynch uh, moving forward, but a new guy has to come in, some fresh blood, to call plays and scheme around Lynch's strengths, this, this roster's personnel strengths too, to be frank. The Broncos just can't afford another season of offensive ineptitude, no matter who the quarterback is. Yeah, and I've spoken in the past about the difference of a coach being a player-oriented coach and a system or a formula-oriented coach. Gary Kubiak is a pretty classic example, to my mind at least, of a of a system-oriented coach. I mean, he has the Kubiak the Kubiak offense, right? And he comes in and he runs that offense, you know, no matter who the personnel he has. And, you know, this offense has struggled to put together in that offense. They've struggled to to really kind of connect and just move the ball. I mean, it's as simple as that. So the, I do think that the coach who comes in needs to be player oriented to work with Paxton Lynch. And not only that, I, you know, I remember a couple of years ago when the Broncos were um, looking for a new defensive coordinator and the name that was just getting thrown about so much was Vance Joseph. Right. Um, for head coach and then I believe defensive coordinator. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. No, that's correct. Um, 
but he was the defensive backs coach at the time with the Bengals. Um, of course, they ultimately ended up hiring Wade Phillips, home run hire. But when you look at this offensive coordinator position right now, that's kind of what you're left with. Do you promote a young guy who's had some success around the league, um, a guy you know like your Vance Joseph in this situation, or do you go back to kind of an older guy, a more veteran coach um, like Wade Phillips? And in this case, I really do think you need to bring in um, bring in a young guy who's going to bring some excitement to this position. You can have an old guy. He's been around the been the uh, you know been around the game for a while. But I think that can be that can be Gary Kubiak in this situation. And I think I know this is going to sound crazy. Try and catch lightning in a bottle. You know, find find an Adam Gase or a Josh McDaniels. No big deal. Yeah. But you know, find a young offensive minded coach who can who can work with these young quarterbacks who know the spread offense because he he's kind of grown up in that environment too and I think there's really something to be said for coaches being young and being familiar with a new offense yeah and who knows I mean one of the top guys on my wish list would be Kyle Shanahan but you know as we've talked about this is a guy that's going to be up for some head coaching opportunities uh, here in a couple of months he will be. I, I firmly believe he will be an NFL head coach this, this time around. But maybe, Luke, you know, who knows, just spitballing. Maybe it's the type of situation where there is so much history and familiarity with Gary Kubiak and the Broncos that Shanahan could be lured to Denver with some kind of understanding that, you know, he's the successor to Kubiak when Kubiak hangs it up. You know, who knows? Um, but they definitely got to bring someone else in. And I think for now, that's all the time that we have for today's episode. Again, the season is over, but everything's going to be A-OK, Broncos country. And in the coming days, the weeks, months, we're going to be breaking it down, Luke and I, how the Broncos can improve, where we go from here in 2017. So stay tuned. Stay with us. We appreciate you. Be sure to follow at LockedOnBroncos on Twitter. You can find Luke in the Twitterverse, at Luke Polglaze, myself, at Chad and Jensen. We do want to hear from you. Hit us up. We're loving the engagement. Um... Also, check out the other killer podcasts on the network. Right now, Locked on NFL Draft. You need to rotate that into your listenings every day. Uh, Locked on NFL, great. Uh, But don't forget to subscribe. For Luke, I'm Chad. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Mile high huddle.